You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from ScoreZag Score and taking over here at Locked On. First, I want to thank all of you for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Whether you are a new listener to the show, new to my content, or coming over from my previous show, a reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts, and to look out for an upcoming YouTube channel, which will start in the next few weeks for folks who want to see and hear what I have to offer in this Gonzaga community. All right, today's episode is the third in our extensive player preview series, taking a brief but thorough look at every player on Gonzaga's roster and detailing their basketball history, a look at the best and worst case scenarios for them during the 2021-2022 season, and finally a closer look at their expected role in production this year. These episodes will air multiple times per week right up until Gonzaga's exhibition opener against Eastern Oregon on Halloween. Stretch big man Ben Gregg was covered in episode one, and veteran point guard Andrew Nemphard got his turn in yesterday's episode. In case you missed it, check back in your feed. It'll be there waiting for you. Today, we are going to pivot to discuss a forward and one of my biggest X-factors on this team next season, Spokane native Anton Watson. All right, so starting with Anton Watson history. Watson committed to the Zags way back in 2017. If it feels like he's been around forever, it's because he has been around this program forever. Obviously, he went to G Prep, Gonzaga Prep in Spokane, right across the street from Gonzaga's campus. So it feels like he's been a Zag for a very long time. Watson wasn't just one of those local kids that you recruit because they're a talented local kid kind of deals. He was the second best player in the state of Washington, according to 24-7 Sports, they had him number 48 in the country and second in the state behind Jaden McDaniels, who was already making a name for himself in the NBA. So Watson was not, by any stretch of the imagination, some scrubby kid from Spokane. He was a legit top 50 prospect in the country. And for his first four games in a Gonzaga uniform, he really looked like it. Watson started right out of the gate. He was in the starting lineup, and through his first four games in a Gonzaga uniform, he averaged 10.5 points, 5.8 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.5 steals, and he shot 59% from the field. 10.5 points, 6 boards, 3 assists, 1.5 steals. That is incredible production for a true freshman in his first four games. Yes, they were gimme games as they usually are to begin the season, but still, that is some really eye-popping stuff. Unfortunately, things kind of spiraled downhill for Watson after that. He suffered that pretty severe shoulder injury in December, and although he continued to play through it, he never really fully recovered. For the rest of the year, he only played 11 games. Just one of them was a start. He only averaged 10 and a half minutes per game, so his minutes plummeted after this. Part of it was because he was injured, obviously. Part of it was because he just didn't quite find a role, find a fit. It's hard to come back from an injury and find your way onto a team. Obviously, Gonzaga had a ton of other talented players, so they kind of were able to move on without him. During those 11 games, he averaged just under three points per game, two rebounds per game, and only shot 48% from the field. So things fell off in Watson's first year in a Gonzaga uniform. As you would expect from a freshman who was probably already playing a little bit above his means in those first four games and then suffered a pretty serious injury in his first collegiate season. That's really hard to deal with. 
Watson returned for his sophomore year and was much, much healthier. He played in all, or he played in 32 games for the Zags last year. He made 17 starts. I talked about this during the Andrew Nembhard episode. For the first half of the season, Watson was a starter and Nembhard was coming off the bench. Gonzaga eventually realized, or Coach Mark Few, I should say, eventually realized to have Nembhard in the starting lineup and have Watson be that kind of high-energy defensive guy coming off the bench. Almost every time they brought him in the game, they went straight into these half-court trap sets and tried to get him to immediately force the uh, other team into feeling comfortable, force them into some potential turnovers. So that's kind of how his year looked last year. He averaged about 19 minutes per game, seven points, three and a half rebounds, 1.2 assists, 1.2 steals. One thing that people probably are not going to know about Anton Watson last year is he led the team in two-point field goal percentage. This was a team that had Drew Timmy on it, one of the most efficient low post scorers in the country, hands down. And Anton Watson led the team. He shot 71.1% on two-point field goals last season. Now, obviously, this was on a significantly lower volume than what Drew Timmy did. Watson only took 4.4 field goal attempts per game. So 71% is still really darn efficient. Don't get me wrong, but it does come with that caveat that he wasn't taking a lot of shots. The shots that he was taking were often wide open because of a breakdown in the defense or on a fast break. So you'd hope that he's converting quite a few of those into buckets. The big issues for Watson were that his three-point shooting woes and free throw shooting woes, which were both there as a freshman, did not improve as a sophomore. He shot 15% on three-pointers. For his career, Watson is 4 for 29 from downtown. Now, 29 attempts is a very small sample size, but 4 makes is really bad. (laughs) There is no other way to put it. Anton Watson, through his first two seasons in college, does not look like an outside shooter at all. Point blank. He doesn't look like a guy who can shoot from the outside. That could change, but 4 for 29 through your first two years is a rough start. Beyond that, Watson struggled with inconsistency. His role changed throughout the year, and obviously his freshman year he had the injury, so you can kind of understand why inconsistency might be a part of his game. But it was a frustrating aspect of Watson's performance last year. We had a game where he had 23 points against Portland. We had a game where he had 17 points against Norfolk State in the NCAA tournament. We also had the very infamous Tony Snell game, named after NBA player Tony Snell, who put up a similar stat line before Watson played 22 minutes against St. Mary's at St. Mary's. He had zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero field goal attempts in 22 minutes of action. That's more than half the game to not get a single point rebound or assist, not even put up a shot. He did have two steals, so it wasn't all bad, but that's a, that's a pretty alarming stat line. Obviously it'd be worse if he took a bunch of field goal attempts and missed them. I'd rather him be zero for zero than zero for six or 10 or something like that. But to not have any rebounds or assists in 22 minutes of action is rather alarming. So now we have Watson. He's entering his third year. Gonzaga's front court hasn't gotten less deep. In fact, it's gotten deeper in his time in a Gonzaga uniform. So now he's entering this very pivotal year. I think he's a really key piece to this team without a doubt. But the big question remains, which Anton Watson are we going to get heading into year three? And what I want to explore in the second segment is the best case and worst case scenarios for what Anton Watson's year could look like in 2021-2022. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Sweatblock. Sweatblock is currently the number one selling product in Amazon's antiperspirant category, and for good reason. This doctor-created and doctor-recommended product is manufactured right here in the USA and comes with a dry shirt guarantee. 
That's right. The folks at Sweatblock are so confident in their product that if it doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. So what are you waiting for? Big presentation coming up. You got a job interview. You got a first date coming up. Give Sweatblock a try. And if it doesn't work, you get your money back. These wipes have been featured and tested on Rachel Ray's show where firefighters gave them a go and came out of it sweat-free. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed, and the next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code Locked On or at Amazon and CVS. Right, so this is just a reminder that this is the third episode in a multi-part series talking about every Gonzaga player on the roster. Check back throughout the month for more player previews leading up to the season opener on Halloween against Eastern Oregon. Segment two, we're talking best case, worst case scenarios about Anton Watson. Just a reminder, the caveat I'm going to say for all of these segments This is best case within reason and worst case without injury. I know that injuries have been a part of Anton Watson's past, and it is possible they crop up again, as it is with any player on the roster, but discussing potential injuries is not really something I'm interested in doing. It doesn't serve you, dear listener. It's not any good for you to hear, hey, he might get hurt. You know that. I know that. doesn't really matter to talk about that too much. And best case is within reason. For some players, it might be reasonable to say they're going to be the player of the year. For some of them, they're the betting favorite to be player of the year. But for some players, that's just not the reality. So we're going to talk about best case within the reason of what I think they're capable of doing in a Gonzaga uniform this season. And worst case, we're not going to discuss it as if they're hurt and not playing because that doesn't really serve a helpful purpose for you as a listener trying to learn about Gonzaga basketball. So Anton Watson, the best case scenario for Anton Watson is that he is the first player off the bench. I know that there's some possibility that he could start. And I do think that it could make some sense. There are definitely situations where a lineup with Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren, and Anton Watson could play significant minutes together. But I don't think that it's going to be the starting lineup. And frankly, I think the best case scenario for Watson is that he's that energy guy off the bench. I think it's better for him to serve that role. I think it fits more his skill set. It allows Gonzaga to play matchups where they can bring in Watson alongside Drew. They can bring in Watson alongside Chet. Or they can bring in Watson alongside both of them if they want to bring out one of the guards. I think it just allows them to play the matchups a little bit better if he's not in the starting lineup. Beyond that, the best case scenario for Anton Watson is he is the team's defensive stalwart. Is that at the end of the year, he is in contention for WCC Defensive Player of the Year as a reserve. He is coming off the bench and challenging to be the best defensive player in the conference. The way that he does that is similar to what he did last year. He comes in the game and immediately wreaks havoc. He is all over the passing lanes. He is right in dude's grills on on on-ball defense. He's a good help side defensive player when he needs to be as well. He uses his incredible length, his incredible athleticism, his high basketball IQ to just absolutely decimate opposing offenses. He is a menace. He can guard one through five. He can guard the opposing team's best player, whatever position they play. He can play good help defense, all of that stuff. If he plays like he's capable of doing defensively, he will be in contention for that award, especially if he gets 25 plus minutes per night. The best case scenario for Anton Watson is he's way less inconsistent, is that he averages eight to 10 points per game 
by scoring 8 to 10 points per game most nights. I know that seems silly to say because when you see a player's average, that's generally what you think, but that was not the case with Anton Watson. We talked about multiple games over 15 points per game last year. He had multiple zeros last year too. That kind of inconsistency is really, really challenging, and I get it on a Gonzaga roster where there are so many playmakers and so many scorers. It's hard to imagine that Watson will always be a big part of the offense. And that's fine. He does not have to be. He is not here to be that, especially on this roster as it is constructed. He should not be, the offense shouldn't be running through Anton Watson really ever. Like, I don't this, I don't mean this disrespectfully to him in any capacity, but out short of using walk-ons, there is no lineup that Gonzaga could put out there this season where he is even, probably even the second go-to option offensively. I just don't see it. I just don't see a situation where he's the go-to guy offensively. So he gets his points in the fast breaks. He gets his points by by creating turnovers at the in the you know in the front court. He gets his points by being you know, sneaking around people in a zone defense, maybe finding some soft areas that way. Uh, putbacks. Those are how he gets his points. But in the best case scenario, he's consistently getting eight to ten of them night in and night out. The best case scenario is that he becomes a competent outside shooter. Not something we've seen from him yet. Again, 15% three-point shooter through his first two seasons, four for 29. But I'm sure he's working on it. I'm sure that he is working on it. And another full offseason where he's healthy and ready to roll. If he comes in and shoots 32%, I'm not asking him to be Killian Tilly or Kyle Wilcher out there. I don't think that's in his game. But if he can be competent enough that opposing defensive players have to guard him, they have to respect the three-point shot. Because right now, frankly, they don't. They can leave him alone out there. And we saw it last year where he started to get kind of panicky. He knew he was open. He probably knew he should shoot. He's got a high basketball IQ. I think he knows those situations, but he had a lack of confidence and he would pass up those shots. He'd make an extra pass, which sometimes kind of threw the offense out of rhythm because they didn't, they weren't expecting him to do that. In the best case scenario, he's confident with that shot and he's knocking it down at a better clip than he currently has been. Best case scenario is up over 30%, enough that opposing defensive players have to know where he is on the court, have to make sure that they're in his face, because then it allows him to potentially dribble drive past them. It allows them to not double team as easily because they can leave him open. That's the best case scenario. Beyond that, best case scenario, he remains an elite finisher inside, and he ups his free throw percentage. If he shoots 70% on two-pointers again next year, that would be incredible. But also, I'd love to see him shoot higher than 65% from the free-throw line. I think he's capable of being a better free-throw shooter than that. And if he's going to be down low, if he's going to be trying to muscle around for offensive rebounds, he's going to draw some contact. And if he's going to do that, he needs to start converting those free-throws. That's going to be a big part of his game next year. Best-case scenario is Anton Watson is playable with both Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, and that he helps ease the defensive burden on literally everybody on the floor because of his ability to guard one through five. He can help ease the burden on the defensive perimeter, an area that I think is is not a strength for Gonzaga right now. Drew Timmy struggled to guard perimeter defense against Baylor. We saw that. That was a huge issue for him. I think Chet Holmgren will probably be adequate at it, but he's best served being right underneath the basket where he's an elite shot blocker. And then the guards don't have a lot of experienced defensive players. This is not Bolton's game. Nemhart has not proven to be a super good on-ball defensive player. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be the guy tasked with doing it. But then beyond that, you have Dominic Harris, Julian Strother, you, Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman, the freshman, you don't have a lot of proven defensive perimeter players. So in a best case scenario, Anton Watson helps alleviate that concern by being an absolute ball hawk, an absolute menace on that side of the ball. 
And the last best case scenario is that it's at least talked about that he could leave early. Hey, I wonder if he's, I wonder if Watson's considering, you know, testing out the draft waters. I wonder if he's thinking about doing that. Again, with six foot nine dudes with all of the length and athleticism that he has, that's great. And that goes a long ways, but he needs to prove he can shoot. If he does not look even average as a three point shooter, that dream is probably not going to happen yet. He's going to need to display that if he wants to be in the NBA. But again, in a best case scenario, if he looks at least adequate, then it's a conversation that you have at the end of the year. What's the worst case scenario for Anton Watson? The worst case scenario for Anton Watson is that the outside shooting is not consistent, but he keeps shooting. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, that's the worst case scenario. If Anton Watson's not going to knock down more threes, he shouldn't keep taking them. I don't want to see Gonzaga running an offense where if he's wide open and they, they run a swing pass and they get him in a spot where he can shoot it and he's got nobody around him, yes, keep pumping those shots, dude. That is what you should be doing. But I don't want to see situations where the offense in the offense goes to a point where Watson's shooting contested threes or not. They're not very good looks or he's shooting threes early in the shot clock. I don't want to see that. So the worst case scenario is he does that. I don't think that will be the case because when Anton Watson didn't feel confident in his shot the first two years, he just didn't shoot anymore. And that might be okay. That might be fine. It's ideal if he's actually able to knock him down more and shoots more of them because he can make them. But if he can't, that's okay. That's okay. Worst case scenario for Anton Watson is his free throw shooting doesn't improve and it makes him a late game liability. It'd be really nice to be able to put Anton Watson on the floor in late game situations because of his defense. But if they have to constantly keep switching him out every single time there's a stoppage because they don't want him on the floor in foul situations, that's a bit of a bummer. It'd be nice if he could shoot 70 plus percent, A, just because it helps during the, during the game in general, but also it certainly helps in those late game situations as well. Worst case scenario is it's hard for him to play alongside both Chet and Drew. Like he can't play the three or he can't play the four with Chet playing the three so that he can only really play when one of those guys is out. That lowers his ability to play big minutes. If Anton Watson's going to play 25 minutes per night and he can't play alongside both Chet and Drew, that means both those guys are sitting for 12 plus minutes every single night. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Drew's going to play 30 plus minutes per night. I think Chet's going to play close to 30 plus minutes per night if he can. So if Watson can only play when one of those guys is sitting, that makes his, that caps his ability to play those 25 ish minutes per night that I think is the sweet spot for him. The worst case scenario for Anton Watson is he loses playing time to either Ben Gregg or Caden Perry. I mentioned that the best case scenario for Ben Gregg is that he's the first big man off the bench. If that's the case, that's bad news for Anton Watson. It could mean Watson's playing more three, and again, that may be good, that may be fine, but I have a feeling Gonzaga's going to play a lot of three-guard lineups, and having Anton Watson play a lot of minutes at the three is probably not in the cards. He's probably playing more of his minutes at the four, and in a worst-case scenario, Gregg and Perry really challenge him for those minutes. And then again... The worst case scenario is that heading into his senior year, he still doesn't have a defined role. We don't know what Anton Watson's going to look like in his final season in Spokane, because after this year, we're still not sure what we have in him. We don't know whether he's going to replace Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, whether we're going to have to go get other superstar freshmen, whether Ben Gregg and Caden Perry are going to have to shoulder the load because Watson's not ready to be a full-time 30-plus minute per game starter. All right, now that the best and worst case scenarios for Anton Watson have been discussed, let's come back in the third segment and talk about some more realistic middle ground scenarios for the defensive stalwart ahead of the 21-22 campaign. But before we get there, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. 
Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. I just personally had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all of the parts that I need makes things infinitely easier and less stressful. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Bet Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit, just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back. Segment three, we're going to talk about Anton Watson's expected role and production this season. I think more than, more than basically any player on this roster, Anton Watson's range between best and worst case scenario is, is pretty significant. The difference for a lot of players is is not going to be that much. You know, we talked about Andrew Nampard in the second episode. The difference between him being really good, like the best version of himself, and the worst case scenario are pretty slim. He's going to be good. He's going to be the starting point guard. He's going to be the facilitator in both of those situations. For Anton Watson, I think it's a pretty wide range. And that's why he's being labeled as an X-Factor by multiple different people, not just me. I think he's one of the X-Factors on this team. I think Julian Strother, who we'll talk about in a future episode, is one of the X-Factors on this team. But for me, Watson's range of which Watson shows up for the whole season significantly impacts this team. Now, my best guess and my best predictions, we know Mark Few loves experience. So I think that Anton Watson is going to play a lot, and I think he's going to be the first big off the bench. I do think they're going to do a three-guard starting lineup. I don't know exactly which combination it'll be. Andrew Nembhard's one of the starters. That's about the only thing I can guarantee you. If I was guessing, I'd say probably Hunter Salas and either Julian Strother or Rasir Bolton is the other starter would be my guess there, but there's a lot of different ways that Mark View and his staff could start this lineup. I do think Watson comes off the bench because I think they really like what he brought off the bench last year. Like I mentioned in the second segment, that energy, that instant ability to frustrate opposing offensive players, to trap them in the half court, to force turnovers right away. That's a really fun way to to get him in the game and kind of get things going, get a boost because Gonzaga starts slow more often than they should. And I remember multiple times last year where Watson came in and kind of immediately forced a turnover, had a dunk or a, a easy fast break layup, and it just kind of energized everybody on the court. So I think that they're going to try to put him in that role again. However, the 25-minute mark, which is what I talked about as a best-case scenario, that's going to be really hard. That's going to be hard for him to get to. 
If Ben Gregg is completely out of the rotation and Caden Perry, if both those guys are not in the rotation at all, then it's a little bit easier for Watson, Chet, and Drew to kind of split those two positions with those three guys and really make it work that way. I think Strother might end up sneaking in and playing a little bit of four as well. But if they want Ben Gregg to get eight to 10 minutes per game, which is totally reasonable to one after the guy looked pretty darn good last year as a what should have been a high school senior, then all of a sudden Watson's going to have a harder time getting up past 20 minutes per game. So that'll be an interesting thing to kind of watch. It also depends how many of those minutes Watson's willing to play or the team is willing to play Watson, I guess, alongside both Chet and Drew. And that's a really, really interesting dynamic that I'm curious to watch as this season plays out. It'll be one of the lineups that I'm tracking really closely in their first exhibition games. I was going to say in craziness, but I don't don't think they're going to be able to play all three of those guys on the floor on the same team in craziness without it being an absolute bloodbath for the opposing team. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that shakes out. I think there's the possibility for some really fun lineups with Chet and Anton being the two big men and then three guards. Like imagine a lineup of Chet, Anton, Hunter, Nembhard, and Dom. Like that lineup is going to be absolutely unreal in the transition game. They're so long and so athletic and so quick. I mean, they're going to be a menace. That's going to be such a difficult, that's a great, great lineup that very few teams in the NCAA can game plan against. And it doesn't have Drew Timmy on the court. It doesn't have the consensus national player of the year front runner playing. That's insane. That is an insane thing that Gonzaga has the ability to do. And I'm so excited to see what they do, how they get creative when they have Drew sitting, how they get creative when they have Chet on the bench, and and more importantly, how they get creative when both those guys are playing and, and how Watson potentially fits into that situation. I think ultimately he's going to play that energy role again. And I think I don't expect to see significant changes to his offensive game. And it's not to say that he's not spent this entire offseason working on that. He probably has, and he should be, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with him taking hundreds of three-pointers every single day to improve that area of his game, working on his footwork in the low post, getting physically stronger so he can body up some of those bigger dudes in the WCC or not in the WCC more often in other conferences. But I don't see a way that he's his offense really fits into Gonzaga's game plan all that much. You know, I don't think they're going to run plays for him. I think he might have some roving roles in in zone offenses potentially because he's really good at that. But they kind of went away from that high-low offense that they used to run so frequently, particularly with Killian Tilly, and they ran it a lot with DeMontis Sabonis and a lot with Elias Harris. They didn't do that with Anton Watson. And part of it was because he wasn't a threat to shoot, so it didn't, it didn't really work as well when the opposing player can just sag off him and just get in Drew Timmy's face. So I don't know if they're going to go back to that or if they're going to go back to that with Watson. I think it would be a lethal thing to run with Chet and Drew. I mean, lethal. They're really hard to defend with those two guys. So it'll be interesting to see if Watson continues to have that role when he's on the court or if they kind of let him almost have that Mike Hart role where he's kind of moving around on offense. He's part of the motion, but he's not necessarily a threat to really you know put the ball on the floor and go to the rim or a threat to shoot from the outside. I don't expect significant changes for him offensively, but I do expect to see him be more consistent, more of an option in the transition, and an absolute menace defensively. For me, Anton Watson's a four-year guy. (laughs) I don't think, you know, I've touted him as an NBA prospect in the past, and I still firmly believe that he has the ability to be a good NBA player if things come together for him. But so far, things have not fully come together, and that doesn't mean that they won't. 
It absolutely doesn't mean that they won't, but I don't think that they're going to come together all the way this year, just because I don't see him having a big enough role. You know, we look at a guy like Joel Eyi, who everything came together for him pretty suddenly, and that's fantastic, and that's great, but he, or Rui Hachimura is maybe a better example of that, but they immediately got a role. They had a chance to just boom. You're going to play a bunch right off the bat. I don't see that with Watson because they have Chet, because they have Drew, because they have Julian. So I think he's going to have a good year, but I think he's going to be back for his senior year. And Chet will be gone, and Drew will be gone. And yeah, they'll still have Ben, and they'll still have Caden, and they'll have you know whatever recruits they bring in in class of 2022. They'll have Brandon Huff, their new recruit that they recently signed for that class. But Watson's got a chance to really thrive as a senior. And I think we'll see some improvements this year. We'll see some glimpses of what could be. We won't see it all the way together because he won't have the opportunity, but he could be an absolute legend as a senior. All right, that is three player previews done and dusted. Tune back in tomorrow to hear 30 minutes of discussion about Martinez Arlauskas. A player I think might have a hard time cracking the rotation, but who I'm very interested in discussing either way. You can find all of that right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts and soon to be available on YouTube. Just another reminder, podcast links will also be available on Twitter at Locked On Zags and on my own personal Twitter account, which can be found at ScoreZagScore. Thank you for listening and go Zags. Betting on the Zags doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by the betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.